Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today are life coaches Cindy Chavez and Jackie Gates. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. We are indeed because we are experiencing a wide range of temperatures. Cindy's in the 80s, Jackie's in the 30s, I'm in the 40s, so we're covering the range, you know. Trying to get it from <laughs> yes, all angles. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I actually have a, a topic in mind for today that comes from Sean Aker from the World of Positive Psychology. Uh, and I mentioned briefly the statistic that I'm going to bring up again here on a show I did with a guest last week named Kelly Coulter, who is a fitness person and has helped other fitness instructors to monetize their careers, especially in the middle of the COVID era when there was no jobs to be had because fitness instructors couldn't do jobs. Well, she's helped a lot of people that way. But uh, she was really impressed with the statistic, and it made me think that, you know, I really should be bringing this up more because it's a very impressive statistic. But let, let me give you the background on it. Sean, of course, uh, went to Harvard University, and he was also, uh, after he graduated, he was a resident advisor there for a while, and he has been very much involved in the formation and development of what is now known as the positive psychology department. And one of the things that he did, I think he did this actually while he was a graduate living on campus as, a, as an RA, uh, but he did a study of 1,000 Harvard students. Now, Harvard at that time had about 6,000 students. So this is like one-sixth of the entire population did this study. And what he was trying to do, he, was, he, he asked a series of questions designed to basically try to narrow down what is it that creates success? What makes for a successful Harvard student, both while they are at school and later on in life? And this is actually a study that he has replicated in other ways since then, gotten the same kinds of amazing results. And it, it just kind of blows him away. When he tells the story, he actually told us in a, a video presentation when he was promoting his book, The Happiness Advantage. And when he was telling the story, he said, this was actually the last question on the survey. He just kind of threw it on there as kind of a fluff question. He didn't think it was actually going to mean anything. It turned out to be the only reasonable and informative response that he got out of the entire set, everything else, nothing else correlated. He asked all these other questions, you know, how smart you are, who, you know, wh where do you come from? What's your family? You know, what do you study? He, there were no correlations. He couldn't find any correlations to success, except for this one question. The one that he threw in at the end was, tell us about your social connectedness. And that proved to be, in, of course, they express these in, ra in ratios, a ratio of 0 0.7, which doesn't sound like a lot. But 0 0.7 means it is 70% predictive, predictive of success. How socially connected you are is 70% predictive of your success. And to give that a comparison, the predictiveness of smoking cigarettes leading to cancer is 45%. Wow. So this is 75% higher predictiveness than smoking cigarettes leading to cancer. That's how... Mm strong this correlation is. It's an incredible correlation. Wow. And he, he actually described in his book, he told a couple of other things. I got his book here. Let me just read a couple. Um, he said that there was a study. Let me make sure if I got the right page here. Oh, I hope I didn't lose the page. I think I lost the page. So I think I'll try to do it from the top of my head. But he, he did a study. He, he reported on a study that was done at a company. I think it was 210 employees. They wanted to find out what, uh, what was the factor that encouraged those employees to self-study and, and improve their, themselves and get themselves into better jobs and so forth. And it all came down to who they liked. 
hmm. who do they like in the company? If they if they liked a bunch of people, they did better. If they didn't, they didn't do better. Which is really interesting. <laughs> it's not exactly what most people would predict, right? So I want to ask yeah. you guys, what do you think about this? I mean, do you have any experience, you know, in your own practices or in your own lives that kind of reinforces this? Is this brand new? What do you think? Well, I want to ask you a question first um, about just a clarifying question. When you the the statistic that you just talked about, where you said it it all came down to who they liked. Are you saying that the people that had more friendships in the company were more successful? Okay. Okay. Yes, exactly. And, and that did that. And my qualifying question is um, the friendships being uh, in the overall Harvard study, um, uh, a qualification of success as a Harvard student. I don't know the details of it. He strongly intimates that it was a predictor both of success at Harvard as a student and later on in life, but he doesn't detail that. Okay, but it would make sense if the if the correlation yeah. is you know at, in how many friends you have in your immediate environment, right. how successful mm-hmm. you are. Okay, because I got the I got the impression that they actually did a, did follow ups on this after they left school. That was he he didn't say that, but it was a very strong impression he left. Okay, fascinating yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, the the cliche that you are the average of the the five people you spend the most time with. So, if you like those people and they, uh, and and you you feel supported and acknowledged and like an inclination to thrive mm-hmm. um, amongst those people, then makes sense that you would be more successful. One of the but biggest it's so interesting pieces. because. Success feels like often success feels like such a solitary pursuit, right? It's like you. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, really, it does. You you do mm-hmm. your work yourself. You you study mm-hmm. yourself. You 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 have to take the exams yourself. You have to do mm-hmm. the work yourself. It it can be a bit. And I think, um, you know, in the eighties, the the lone wolf, the, the wolf of uh, Wall Street. Those kind of there really were. Um, not deified, but glorified. And mm-hmm. so um, this idea that the more people, the more friends you have, or the most more socially connected, and I'd be interested in what it means. It's like, that, is that the more people who know you or the more people you know, the more people you're friends with? It, well, I think there are nuances here, but it really does seem like um, – as humans, we don't thrive as well when we're solitary. And that would well, make sense. I, I saw a video that he posted right after the pandemic began. So this was April 2020. And it, it, believe it or not, only 265 people had watched this video. It just kind of blows my mind considering who he is. But he was making the point in the video about how important social connectedness is. And the point he specifically honed in on was it isn't so much how connected you are physically, rather it's how you perceive your connections to be. Mm-hmm. So if, if, for instance, you're attending a large university and you're surrounded by hundreds of students at every class, you could feel lonely. Mm-hmm. Yes, you could. But Same on the other hand, if you're family. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah. on the other hand, if you're in a group of 10 people and they're all your best friends and you just hang out together all the time, you could be extremely connected. It's 10 people. Mm-hmm. So the perception really is what makes more of the difference than anything else. You know, 
what comes to mind for me talking about this is that I was listening to someone uh, give a talk and they were talking about what is the first thing you should do if you want to get a job, if you need a job. And people in the audience were answering, but I couldn't tell what they were saying because they weren't mic'd. Oh. And the person giving the talk was saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and going to the next person, uh-huh, yep, uh-huh, yep. And then all of a sudden he says, yes, that's it. And I'm like, what did they say? <laughs> what they said. They said, tell everyone you know. Uh-huh. Yes. And the the point was, and and where it came home for me was that I'm, especially at the time, I was doing a lot of relationship coaching. And it caused me to think back because see a lot of times when people are looking for something uh, like a job, they don't tell everyone they know because they're embarrassed that they don't have a job or maybe they think they're not qualified or that, you know, for whatever reason, they kind of keep it to themselves and they put in a bunch of applications maybe without even telling their friends, their family, whoever. But what we know is that most of the time when people get hired, it's because someone knew them. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they knew somebody that worked there or whatever. And I started thinking about an experience I had that when I when I first went started going to coaching school uh in two thousand nine, I think, um there was I had just gone through a very painful divorce and I was not talking about my relationship status to anybody. Um, I just didn't even want to talk about it at all. And I, at that point, I thought, like, I would be okay if I never saw or talked to another man again the rest of my life. <laughs> um, thankfully, uh, that all got healed. And I, I'm uh, glad about that, by the way, because we wouldn't be doing a show if that was correct. the case. So, yes. So, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there, was, there was about 30 of us, I think, in my class when we started. And we went to school together for a year. And there was a woman in the class that I swear from day one of meeting everyone, you knew that she was looking for a husband. Like it was like, it was like I would introduce myself and say a handful of things, right? I wasn't a coach yet. So I wasn't saying I was a coach, but I would say, you know, that I had two sons and that I was originally from California, you know, whatever the things you say. Well, this woman, you would know she was looking for a husband. That was in her immediate, like, introduction. <laughs> and as we went through school together, every time we came together, because we were, um, we would come meet together uh, every couple of months throughout the year, and the rest of the time we were connecting via Zoom or whatever, or telephone. But every time we were all in person together, someone would immediately say to her upon her first entrance to the room, hey, I've got someone I want you to meet. <laughs> And it wasn't there, it wasn't long after we graduated that I found out she had gotten married mm-hmm. and was having a family. And, and when I heard this about, you know, if you want a job, tell everyone you know, I thought about her, even though it wasn't a job mm-hmm. she was looking for, it was a mate. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I started asking my, it was a huge aha moment for me, right? I started immediately because I would talk to someone, they've reached out to me because they don't want to be single anymore. They want help having a relationship. And I would automatically think that if they're reaching out to me, who am at the beginning a virtual stranger to them, then everyone else in their life must know. 
but I started asking who in your circle of people, who in your family, your friends, your neighbors, people you work with, right? So what you're talking about here, social connections, who knows that you're looking for a husband? And I was shocked that the first, like out of the first 10 times I asked that question, maybe only two of them said, oh, everyone knows. <laughs> like 80% of them were like, well, I don't think anybody knows. Or mm -hmm. I had somebody say to me one time, well, you know, I I'm so happy in general and to have such a fun life in general that I think most people think I'm already married or something like that. Like, mm. but they had not told anyone. And so thinking about these two instances, um, gives me this idea of what you're saying. It's like, yes, the more social connections, the more success. Why? Because that's how the universe most often delivers to us is through other people. So if we're a hermit, which I can very easily be a hermit, like this pandemic, I'm okay being at home and not having <laughs> lots and lots of, you know, parties or whatever. Um, the, the universe most often in my experience delivers through our connections with other people. So it makes total sense to me that this, this statistic makes complete sense to me. It's also how Louise and I met, by the way. What you just yeah. described. Right. That's exactly mm -hmm. how we met. Because Louise, Louise had a cat for years who died six months before we met. Aw. And right after her cat died, her friends asked her, um, are you going to get another cat? And without blinking eye, she said, no, I'm going to get a husband. <laughs> from that point on, she started asking everybody that she knew at work, every friend that she had, she asked everybody. Uh, she was very much involved in uh, CODA meetings at that point. She would ask people at uh, CODA about this. Do you know any mentally healthy men? And she kept asking and asking and asking. Well, she was a psychotherapist, so at least she yes, had the right question yes. to ask, right? <laughs> Our values are important. They are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day she asked a, a mutual friend who I knew from swing dancing. I was very much involved in swing dancing. And uh, I, Debbie is uh, a very, um, in, well, in our circles, she's very woo-woo. She, she's a new agey and all that kind of stuff. And she was at that time, too, when it was a little bit less cool to be so. But I was friends with her. It was fine. So it, it was kind of an interesting connection because... She wasn't particularly close to Louise. She wasn't particularly close to me, but she made the connection. And, and instantly, when, the moment that Louise asked the question, I mean, they barely knew each other. They were both therapists. They both worked in the same place, but they barely knew each other. They had very little connection. It was just one of those walking by, hey, hey do you happen to know? And Debbie instantly thought of me. Why? I have no idea. Literally, there were hundreds of men that she knew in the dance circle. But for whatever reason, she thought of me. But... Nevertheless, that made the connection. And despite the fact that I, for years, had been having such terrible failures with relationships because I kept believing that they would never work out. And, of course, therefore, they never did work out. <laughs> despite the fact that I just thrown in the towel and said, I will never have another relationship again. We That's made the connection. Right. Yeah. Well, I know. Yeah. Well, I told that story many times. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But that was, it was the connection that made the whole thing work. Mm -hmm. totally. You know, I've seen people on social media, like, and I, and when I, my memory is what I'm speaking of is not Facebook, but Twitter, where I think on Facebook, I don't know, at least my experience, you know, there's more of, um, uh, seeing people where Twitter is just one liners almost. Right. But I've mm -hmm. seen people even on Twitter say, 
I just lost my job today, you know, blah, blah, blah. And had people reply sending you a DM uh, or, right. you know, and I'm like, okay, they're right. There are social connections that may really be sort of shallow actually. Right. They're not mm-hmm. like, Oh, this best friend I have who I've known for 30 years. They're like some person that I've connected with on social media. Um, I've seen people offer jobs that way. So yeah, I think that the, I'm just kind of brainstorming here, but it seems like maybe the depth of the connections isn't even the most important thing. No, Um, the breadth of it, I think. Yeah, but just the the Indra's net, right? It's just Mm -hmm. the connections in general, the Mm -hmm. the network, so to speak. So it's really interesting. But Sean also made the point that it wasn't so much the connections themselves, it was the perception of the the connections. What did you think about That's even wilder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if I see a person that needs a job and hasn't told anyone, they probably have a perception that it's not going to help for them to do that. Mm-hmm. If I see someone else that's like, Hey, I, I have a, I have 2000 friends on Facebook, you know, friends on Facebook sometimes are like, wait, who is that person again? <laughs> and so, but they have a perception of like, well, look, I'm, I've got 2000 friends on Facebook. I'm going to ask them, you know, I mean, so perception is an interesting thing, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, I kind of turned that around in my head. When I, when I thought of perception, I thought vibration. Yeah. Well. How are you feeling when you're, when you're perceiving something? If you're feeling good, your perception is going to be good. If you're feeling lousy, I don't care what it is you're looking at. It's not going to be a nice perception. Yeah, that's such a good point. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're feeling good and your perception is that things are good, does it really matter whether or not you're connected to 2,000 people on, on Facebook or you have 10 real friends sitting around a table? Not really. What matters no. is you feel good about it. <laughs> well, and the vibration of, of being open to receive something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating stuff. It's very fascinating. Yeah. And, and, and it makes me wonder how much we have... What's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say skipped because we don't skip this stuff. I mean, it, it, well, talking about social media, it's a big part of life right now. And social media uh, constructors, the people who have created Facebook and LinkedIn and TikTok and all these others, they they designed the, the software to reinforce connections. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, you, you like something, you, you comment on something, you share something. Oh, that's a, that's a greater connection score between you and, and the person you posted that thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the way they measure it. They, they, they try to decide what to send you. What did you respond to? That's what they tried to send you on. So, so they've actually tried to mechanize the social connectedness. I'm not sure how successful they've been, but they, that's what they've been trying to do. Well, we know. Cindy and I are best friends, and my other best friend, I've, we've never met in real life. We've never even mm-hmm. been in the same state. In fact, one of my <laughs> other best friends, she, she lives in Australia. I have never even been to Australia. So mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, I think, I think in, we all sort of have a lot of um, criticisms of social media and the manipulations and the algorithms and all that stuff. And yes, it's been used in ways that I think are unhelpful, but nonetheless, the connectedness that we have now um is something that we could never have replicated before this period in our in our time. I mean, with the fact that we are friends with people on the other side of the planet that we've never let, you know, never actually seen. Um, Where the Jetsons? 
Yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's just amazing. And until Zoom got to be a big thing, all I had seen of my friend uh, in Australia were photographs. I'd never actually seen her mm. talking to me, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, it just didn't. It was just stills. Uh, I'd yeah. heard her on the phone, of course, but, you know, we hadn't seen her talking. Um, it was so funny because on one of the fo- one of the first calls that we had, she said, "I didn't realize you flap your hands so much." It's like, yeah, I'm afraid so. It's just like this is I talk with my hands, and of course on the phone you wouldn't know that. Um, so it is it is a fascinating thing that uh, that with our connectedness, we are more connected now. We have the potential to be more connected now. And I wonder about the depth, whether people see the people who need breadth, like not who need breadth, but who who love having a vast array of acquaintances, people who know you that you can chat to and all the rest of it. That's me. I have a lot of, and I have very few intimate friends, close people. Um, And then my son, for example, throughout his school career, had three friends and had zero interest in being friends with anybody else. Um, so much so that, you know, he did theater and he went, oh, my Lord, there's so many people and they're all so friendly, he says. And his eyes get like this. And I said, <laughs> I said it's fine. He said, I'm just going to be my little hermit crab and sit in my room and talk to my virtual friends. And I said, oh, that's fine. But it was so interesting because he would rather have those – his connectedness was not in the number, but in mm-hmm. the the repetition, the, the people that he spoke to every afternoon after school, right? Um, and so it's it's been really interesting to see the people who will feel lonely no matter how many friends they have um, and the people who have one or two friends and are very happy with that amount of connectedness. But, again – it does say to when you're looking at success again success is so nebulous what are you measuring um but if you want to get a job and you only tell two people your network is far your network has to work harder shall we say um than if you have a hundred people and you tell them and then they have wider people and they can tell you know so it's i just love i think at the end of the day Humans need to feel that they belong, and that's where connectedness comes. However, whatever you belong to, um, it's important to feel that you belong somewhere to some some other cluster of humans, um, and that's the piece that I think matters. So the connectiveness to that, um, and then we all have our own metrics as to what that looks like. I'm, yeah. remind, I'm reminded of a, of a cliche that predates the internet and it was a cliche that I hated yes. because it didn't work for me. <laughs> but mm-hmm. the cliche was, it's not what you know, it's who you knew. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I hated that one because I didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to buy into that one. Cause that just meant I wasn't going to, I was going to be a total failure and I wasn't going to put up with that at all. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I yeah. get it. I mean, my husband was, in his 40s, before he ever had to have a job interview, wow. he was just always referred and promoted to uh, recommended by other people. And then they would move to a different company and they would have an offer and they'd say, oh, 
this guy's really good at that. You should talk to him and see if he wants to move. And then he'd mm-hmm. get the offers and he'd move, right? Um, and and in the theater, that works too. I, I only auditioned for my very first show. The rest of the time, it was a case of, hey, we've got auditions on Saturday. You're going to be there, aren't they? Aren't you? Nice. Um, so, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, you know, it is, it is that. Um, you you uh, realize you just destroyed, you absolutely obliterated with that sentence, the old uh, cliche about what it is to be a, an aspiring actor, that you have to slay through, you have to go through audition after audition, <laughs> you have to work coffee tables for the rest of your life. You didn't I do that. Say, <laughs> I will say I was in a far smaller pond than New York City or something. Oh, okay. so, right? no, and, and yeah, it was different. But yes, I think... I think both sides can work, and if you believe it works, of course, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what makes the difference, is, is mm-hmm. that you believe it works. But but it's not just who you know. I think it's who you know, know that they know, you know, who you know knows. Um, mm-hmm. Because just the same way as, you know, your, your, your friend recommending you to your now wife, that makes mm-hmm. it my, my husband, it sounds so creepy. But my husband came as to make up a, a foursome for dinner with my parents. They had a friend who wanted and, and, and wanted to come around for dinner, and he had he said to Malcolm, "We need another man. Would you like to cut?" Malcolm went free food, so he came, and uh, <laughs> and then he and then he played guitar with my dad, and my dad made me stay home the following Saturday night so that I could come and sing with this guy who played the most amazing guitar. And that was that, right? So, you know, um, and, and so it was just such a, a happenstance. Um, but again, it's connections. So, connections yeah. made all the difference. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey has been mm-hmm. posting in the live stream while we've been talking there. And he, about, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes ago, something like that, he posted a really interesting set of questions. I'm going to throw them up on screen here. How about the diversity in the groups of people that you know, like a chameleon being able to adapt and adjust to any social situation? And I don't know how to answer that one. I'm wondering what you guys think. I think some people are better at that than others. I think that's a um, both a wiring and a skill. Um, I think it, I think there are people that are nat- like me, naturally wired. I will tell you that my greatest superpower is that I can talk to anybody. Um, mm. And and I always have known that about myself. Um, it doesn't mean we have in-depth and personal, intimate conversations, but I can talk to anybody. And then, you know, you have, I'll use my son again, who would rather choose to just go hi and say nothing and doesn't care how uncomfortable that might make you. <laughs> he just goes, I have nothing to say to this person, so I say nothing. And I say, this is what conversation, no? No. So he doesn't do the chameleon thing. And I think a chameleon thing is very useful if you know who you are. You can't, you can, you can be fluid, but you can't be, um, what's the word I want? Inauthentic, really, I suppose it is, right? Mm. There's, there's, there's a way to talk to people that is pure surface. Um, and you're not going to ruffle any feathers and you can move around a cocktail party with ease. Um, and then there are other conversations where you can decide if you want to be the kind of person who has that conversation or not. And that is your, your values, your ethics, your, your, I mean, I have left a, a party 
because the conversations were just so um, anti anti the the kind of people that I mix with. Um, so it was you know very anti gay, very anti. LGBTQ, all of that. So I went, you know, I am not available for these conversations and I don't want to stay here. So I left. Um, I had no problem before that just doing the social chit chat. But when those kind of things came out, it's like, okay, this is a conversation. This is a group I do not want to spend time in. And so I left. Um, so the, the chameleon part, I think we all have to, um, to a certain degree, what did they, what did, um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Dickens who said you have to grease the wheels of social interaction. Mm. I think that happens, but I don't think we need to sacrifice ourselves to being a comedian because then you get all subversive and you go and prod them in places and they don't realize that you're doing it. My mother mm. used to call like messing with the locals and she used to get very annoyed when I did it. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's like when you go up to, you know, those cars, those cars parked in the middle of a, of a, of a supermarket, of a shopping mall because they're promoting them or something, you know, mm. and, and I remember walking up to a security guard and going, I don't think it's fair that this person gets to park inside and we have to park outside. <laughs> and he looked, of course, I'm, I'm the small blonde woman and I'm totally <laughs> deadpan. And he looks at me and he goes, madam, you don't understand. I, I said, no, no, he's parked here. How much do you have to pay to be able to park inside the mall? I think that's, you know, and, and my mother's going, Declan, stop it. <laughs> 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 that's fun, you know, so that's that, but I'm not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> I think you should be allowed to do that every single day. I know, you can go in here with me, that's fun. No, the, 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 well, the cracks came when they had an organ donor's table at the same mall, and I went up and offered 20 pounds of cellulite to anybody who needed it. <laughs> and she, I said, I don't need it, you could have it. And the lady went, you don't <laughs> Stand. They all tell you that, by the way. They all start with. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> anyway, so that. But the chameleon part is is interesting, um, as far as humanity, as working with other humans goes. But I don't think we sacrifice our integrity and our our values towards just to be part of a mm. group. And, and I don't think that it uh, lends itself to our success. To no, no just to become. Yeah. Like everyone else in the group, because the more we do that, the less authentic we're being. And it's our authenticity that creates connection. Right. Right. It's yes. like we, if we're not being ourselves, then we're not giving to the world what we're here to give. I mean, we are, there's only one of each of us. And, you know, I, I love what Deepak Chopra says, you know, there, there are no missing pieces in the universe. Mm. So I feel like when we start uh, being the chameleon, now sometimes, like Jackie said, sometimes we can, that can be a skill or a gift that's really useful, being able to speak to someone where they're at. But I'm not sure that's what Jeffrey's talking about. Um, when we start to just pretend that we're someone else to fit in and to blend in, um, then I think we're kind of selling ourselves short. And I don't think that that's going to 
cause us to have a greater success uh, to to bl- try to blend into the crowd. As far mm-hmm. as diversity goes and how that lends itself to our success, I think it might um, to have a very diverse group of people that we are socially connected to. Um, personally, I want to be connected to a very diverse group of people because I love diversity. I, I mean, I think it's what makes life interesting. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, so. if we had, if, if I was in a group of, and, and I have been, and it's boring as heck. If I was in a group of people where everybody thought the same, I'd be bored to tears. Yeah. And, and I was, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't admit it to myself, but I was. Yeah. It gets yeah. very, it so gets very Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Now, Jeffrey had a follow-up question. I'll throw it up on screen. Do our moods affect who we attract to us at any given moment and how we relate to them? How we relate to them, yes. How we, who the, possibly. It's an interesting question. Mm. Um, how we relate to people, yes, our moods can affect that. You know, we, we all have days where, you know, we're grumpy as hell and, um, and, we don't necessarily treat somebody as kindly or whatever, you know, as we might on a different day. Um, but the people we attract, I'm, I'm not sure. Well, I think probably depends is on... electromagnetic, and I don't think it has anything to do with mood. Right? Mm-hmm. Especially, especially when you think about people that you're around on a consistent basis. Now, if you meet someone in passing, you know, you're sitting on an airplane next to a random person and you're having a terrible day and you don't feel like talking, well, then you might not be attracted to each other just because so. But if if we're talking about people that were around all the time or a group of people and having attraction, I think that happens. That's something different. Moods are passing. Hmm. M- moods aren't consistent. Um moods come and go, right? But yeah, and you can have people who love you are. in spite of your moods. <laughs> right. Like in, what is it, that line in Steel Magnolias where Shirley MacLaine says, I was born in a bad mood. But she still <laughs> has people who love her, you know. Um, and uh, so, yes. So, um, you know, sometimes I, you feel attracted to someone and you you could even say, like, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm so interested in this person. And you can list things that would be reasons why you shouldn't be, but you still are. You're still interested in them for some reason. I think that's the electromagnetic kind of hookup, right? So there, I mean, attraction, it's magnetic. It's, there's an energy that's coming into play there. So I don't think moods are, you know. I'm going to suggest one way that I think that moods do play a role. And it's something that we all do, particularly if we're meeting somebody for the first time in a dating situation. Because the one thing you can always count on, they will do, people will all do it differently, but they're all trying to do the same basic thing. They're trying to put their best foot forward. Mm -hmm. So they will set their mood to what do they think is going to be the most interesting and then exciting and fun. They'll have the, they'll taste the smile on their face. You know, they'll, they'll do the fake social chit chat and so forth, trying to see if there's some sort of connection going on here. And often there is, and sometimes there isn't, but Mm -hmm. would they have had as much success if they didn't do that? That's the interesting question to me. That's what I was going to ask you is, do you think it would turn out different if they had 
had a different, I don't know that that's mood. Maybe that's what I need. Maybe I need a clarification of what that's that a fair really point. Is. I, I associate mood with emotion. And so I was thinking, mm-hmm. well, what's your emotional state? Is your emotional state high vibe or low vibe? If it's so high now we're vibe, talking vibration. Yeah. Well, everything's mm-hmm. vibration. I think to me, in that so case, I, yes. I, I tie it there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think in that case, generally high vibe people will attract other high vibe people or mm-hmm. they'll attract um, somebody who, who wants to be higher. And so they mm-hmm. come for that, that lift or whatever. Um, and, and, you know, my mom used to say of her best friend, we like to sit around the kitchen table and be miserable together. Um, and misery loves company. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But the, the thing is, it was planned and it had this container and they all got it out and, you know, over a bottle of wine and then everybody felt better. And we as kids used to feel so much better when that happened because then, you know, then that was less crabby for a while. So it is, it is yes. this, this thing where, um, yeah, I, I think, let me tap back into, authenticity being who you are mm. and if your mood in any given day isn't fabulous pasting a smile on your face like you said is only going to work so far um you know yeah, um, yeah. and and if you're if you're trying really hard to put on a happy face like they say you should um but that's not how you're feeling then you're actually starting a connection on what amounts to a lie oh um, i agree with that I, yeah. I was just trying to point yeah. to the fact that that's what we try to do because we believe at some deep level that that's what's going to make the connection. And yeah. we're actually right about that, that, mm-hmm. that, that when you're in a higher vibe space, you're going to make a better connection. Now, mm. what, the part where we screw up is thinking that we can force our way there and that will actually replace the real feeling. Of course, that doesn't actually work right. that way, but that's what we're trying to accomplish. But it's just a match. Well, I, I don't know that we make a better can, I don't know what, what, what does better mean? In other words, if I'm in, if I'm not in the highest vibe place and I meet someone who is where I'm at, then we may really connect. Yeah. Oh, well, sure. Like said, that is her mother and their friend, they're going to go be miserable together. Mm-hmm. Well, why does that work for them? Because they're both there and they're meeting each other where they are and they're a vibrational match. So I think it's possible to make a connection regardless of your vibration if no the other person is on the same wave as you're on. Right. Yeah, like that's, exactly. that's the basis of many cartoons. I mean, you have two people, you know, with clouds over their heads, they meet and all of a sudden they're in love. I mean, that's, that's essentially, <laughs> that, you know, that's what that, that whole meme is all about, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Having a similar vibration. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause similar, similar vibration can be at any vibrational level. It doesn't matter which one it is. And, uh, per- and personally, you know, I choose the higher ones, but that doesn't mean that's the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's the thing. And, you know, when we're together and we're connected and we have nurtured our connection into a relationship, um, then we're going to be together across all those waves. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to be in relationship. I mean, I can call Jackie when I'm, you know, having a, a rough go of something. She's not going to say, oh, sorry, you're not high vibe enough to me. Can't feel like I can connect to you today. Goodbye. Right? It's like, <laughs> no, we, even if we had phone calls where it's going, how are you today? <laughs> like, oh, everything's so hard. Nothing's working. We had those phone in case anybody out there thinks that it's all magic and, and sunshine and rainbows. It's not. Um, but that is the point is that we are there for each other. And we did comment on this once before is that we seldom sink our wobblies. It's like 
yeah, one will other one's doing pretty well, and then the other one will have the wobbly, and this one's doing pretty well, and it's it's always worked out like that. Thank God, it's just it's been really <laughs> useful to so we get to lean on each other, you know. Yeah. Um, and and but I think I think again it comes to um, emotions being fleeting, and a vibrational match matters. So. Yeah, so that really does point to the value, I think, of, of where a social connection perception and reality really comes to the fore because you guys count on each other. No matter what the mm -hmm. situation is, you count on each other to be there. And you are. You are there for each other. And I think that's the essence of social connection. It's the belief that you're going to have the support you need to get where you want to go. Yes. And that, thinking about your original premise, right, of success like we said whatever we're gonna whatever that is for whoever it is but when you're talking about social and i want to really be clear that i don't think we're talking about social media when we talk about social connections right <laughs> it might be part of it but we're talking no, about no. how we're connected mm -hmm. to our society right social connections and there will be times when you are in the spot of being the one that's in need and you may not be at the highest vibe and the people in your social circle who have experienced that themselves and they're in a different place. They are the ones that can reach down and pull you up. They are the ones that can say, yeah, I remember when I was in that spot, I want to help you. And so, you know, we're not always going to be in the same mood as the people that help us in some way towards our success or, I mean, moods are fleeting and vibration is a, a tricky topic because, you know, vibration can be all over the place. It, it doesn't mm -hmm. always, but there can be an overriding vibration, right? Mm -hmm. That covers more of a, a circumstance. So you can go through a period in your life that might feel like a dark night of the soul. It doesn't mean you have no happy moments in there or that your vibration is just always flatlined on the bottom, but you know, it's, it's moving. Energy moves. It's always moving and changing. So I think that it's important to recognize that sometimes we need the other vibration and that person is there for us with it. Mm -hmm. In his book, The Happiness Advantage, Sean Aker, one of the things that he talked about that kind of reinforces this conversation we've been having is the story of two Harvard freshmen who were in the dorm where he was resident advisor. Uh, one was named Amanda and the other one, Brittany, I believe, if I remember correctly. It's been a while since I read it, but I think that, that was the names. Amanda, from the moment she got there, immediately reserved a cubicle for herself at the school library and just became a bookworm. Just study, study, study. She was determined she was going to be a straight A student. She was going to just, you know, have all the laurels and so forth. Brittany was a hard worker, but she was the dorm organizer. You know, she would organize, you know, little breaks and so forth. And, you know, they, they'd have, you know, pie eating contests or, you know, Oreo eating contests or, you know, a snowball fight or something like that. She was the one who organized all that stuff. And by the time of the, of the winter break, Amanda was practically in tears and falling apart and looking like she was going to drop out of school. And Brittany was thriving. His point being the social connectedness held Brittany together and the lack of social connection was really dragging Amanda down, even though they were both brilliant students. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like what they say about babies, right? They call it failure to thrive. A mm -hmm. baby that's not cuddled and held and connected with eye contact, you know, peekaboo, made to giggle, like loved. 
um, will often not be able to gain weight, not be able to have the right growth pattern because they're failing to thrive. And that thriving is, you know, connected, directly connected to how much interaction that they're getting with other humans. I'm um, trying to remember the rest of that story. If I remember correctly, not only were those two a direct contrast, but I think they were also roommates to make it more oh, interesting. Wow. <laughs> wow, that is interesting. Yeah. You know, I had an interesting thing. Um, so Facebook has this random friends limit, right? And so, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, you get 5,000 friends. And I've, I've been on Facebook since 2009 or something. I don't know whenever it started. Um, and so... I had a note from Facebook to say, you are nearing the, your limit. And I thought, well, okay, well, now who do I let go? It's like, um, okay. Yeah, so, but so there are people there that I made friends with or befriended, not and I haven't seen in a year because the algorithm and, you know, we just drifted apart. There are people that maybe were in my network marketing circles when I was doing that or my theater circles or what, I don't know, people that have sort of drifted away. So I just put a note on my wall and I said, Facebook says I have five, I'm reaching the limit. So if you haven't said hi in a while, do please do. And that's all I said. If you haven't said hi in a while, please do. There was none of this, or I'm going to cull you from my life. But you know what's been fabulous is to see the people who have stayed connected with me without saying anything. Hmm. They, they obviously either read or or check in on me or whatever it is, they are still connected, even though we haven't said hello to each other in some of them in years, right? And that was so delicious. And and I can now see that that, that feel good was because of the connectedness. It was like, hey, look, that people still, that person still remembers who I am, which is a form mm -hmm. of connectedness, right? And then I also had people who, um, you know, school friends and South African friends and, um, and people from when I worked at Barnes and Noble and people when I worked at Starbucks and all these other groups where I was very connected for a while and then not so connected, but they have stayed in touch and this connectivity didn't go away. And that was such a delicious feeling. It really was. I mean, I'm not asking all of them to be soulmates and best friends. But it was really <laughs> nice to know that if I said, say hi, they say hi. And it's so lovely, you know. So I, I do think that, um, yeah, and, and I want to say, you know, talking about success and connectivity, um, connectedness, sometimes it does come down to pure numbers. You know, um, they have done enough studies to say that if you have, you need to know X many thousand people to be able to get, to sell your offer to 1% or 5% of them or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, um, of all the people who listen to the podcast, it's not a very big percentage that will send either listen live or ask a question. Right. Mm -hmm. But then right. as the number, as the audience grows, that percentage stays the same, but the numerical value is higher. So right. when you're, when you're looking at, this is one of the things I've been studying. When you want to publish a book, for example, they always say build your platform first. Because mm. if you're going to sell to 2% of the people that know you, that you're connected to, the more people you're connected to, the 
better your sales will be. That's just math and marketing and logistics, right? So um, from that success metric, I can see as well. And we still get back to human to human. I like this person. I like the vibe. That I like what they say. And I'm going to stay connected, right? Um, maybe not close. Maybe not going to drop by your house, you know, and bring you casseroles. But we'll still say, please don't. Do Anybody in Facebook who suddenly shows up on my doorstep. <laughs> like okay make it vegan please um but, <laughs> see and that's it's it's kind of fun to think that um that we have this ability to to be connected in ways that we as humans haven't experienced before um, i'm reminded also navigating of, and, and some fun I, i'm reminded also of a you mentioned marketing uh, this was a marketing course slash coaching program that I did quite a number of years ago. One of the things that came out of it, they, they, they had a, an online convention before online conventions became a thing. Uh, and in that convention, there was a speaker talking about email marketing, mm -hmm. which is when you start with email marketing for most people, and I have to admit it's for me, true, it's true for me too. The moment you start talking about it is the moment that I'm fighting to keep my eyes open. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, I, I kept my eyes open long enough to hear what he had to say. He made a really interesting Point by raising a question. He said, would you rather have, um, uh, of course, email marketing, it's all about the list, right? They, how, you know, what's mm -hmm. your list? You know, who, who's how on your list? It? Yeah, how big is it? All that kind of stuff. He said, would you rather have a list of 10,000 people who uh, you, you don't really know much about, or would you have a, rather have a list of 100 people who you know everything about? And I, I kind of thought about that for a minute, and I said, well, I would think the 10,000, right? I mean, especially with email marketing, like you said, it's all about the percentage. And and I think most of the people actually gave that same answer. He says, okay, now what if I told you that the list of 10,000 had 1% uh, response rate and the list of 100 had a 70% response rate? <laughs> yeah, that's the difference. And, yeah. and that makes you think about it. <laughs> and that's the measurement of connection, right? Yeah. Because basically all you have, if you've got a list that big, is a newsletter. You've got, mm -hmm. you've got, you've got addresses. You don't necessarily have connections. The connection right. is different. Very Something different. that's important to think about though is that, like Jackie said, we, we never could have done this in any of our time of, you know, history before this, before the internet. Um, and humans are small group primates. So we thrive. We don't thrive as hermits, but we thrive in small groups. And I wish I knew the numbers. I heard them mm -hmm. a, a while back, but it was like the most, if, if we get into a group, let's just say 500 people just for the sake of having a number, because it really doesn't matter whether it's 200 or a thousand, we're going to end up most of us uh, over a period of time with about 30 people that we feel we know something about, they feel they know us, and we feel a connection to where there's relationship there. And it doesn't really matter how big that main group is. It, it'll always be around 30 people, I think, was the number. And that groups that are in the 200s do the best as far as thriving groups that can go on and on and on. And I've personally been part of some groups 
that had a beginning like that, that was fantastic, and then grew until they were 10,000 people and immediately imploded and just couldn't mm-hmm. keep it together. So looking at this topic from a law of attraction kind of standpoint, from a conscious creator standpoint, I think the important things to to remember are perception, like you said, and what Jackie said about belonging. And we can, each of us, take you know, uh, take into account the connections that we have and we can cultivate a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. Like we may feel lonely and like we don't belong and that might not even be the truth of the matter. Like it's sort of like people that think uh, that they really haven't accomplished anything and give them an hour with me and they'll walk away recognizing that, holy crap, how did I, I really had accomplished a lot, right? Because it's perception. So I think that there's an idea where we can decide to cultivate a sense of belonging in us and not do it by being a chameleon, but do it by being authentic and finding a place where we can be our authentic self and we can make connections and people can love us for who we are. And that's all something that we can consciously do. If we're not Mm -hmm. there already, we can consciously make that intention for that to happen. Mm -hmm. That's very true. I want to bring in another question too. And now we've, we've touched on the social media thing. Social media, this is the point I was trying to make earlier. Social media is like their approximation of what real social connection is. That's what they're trying to do with social media. They're trying Mm -hmm. to kind of create an automated replication of that. Another form of that kind of automation comes from the world of search engines, from uh, Google being the leader of that. Um, And the, the one word that they use to describe it more than anything else, they call it authority. Authority is essentially who's linked to who. Um, that, that's the way the Google algorithm was originally created. You know, who, who links to what, what, you know, they, they see that they, everybody links to it. Oh, that person's an authority, therefore. So, so this concept of authority becomes a major portion of the, of the Google algorithm. And it's a very interesting idea because we, it, when we use the word authority in our society at large, we do tend to look to authority figures. Authority actually makes a big deal in society. If you're a doctor, I don't care how good of a doctor you are. You could be the worst doctor in the world, but you've got authority because you have an MD or a PhD or whatever after your name. It does make a big difference. So I'm wondering, what do you guys think the role of authority plays where social connectedness comes in? I think it's a, um, I think it's a portal. I think it's an, it's a way, it's, it's a faster track, but it's not a way to be, to keep you. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, okay. you can have somebody, yes, he's an authority on whatever. Um, and you may go and listen to what he says because you've heard he's an authority through your own connections. Mm-hmm. But, um, but then you can decide whether that's going to be a connection you keep or not. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that's true. I think it also shows the limitations of, of uh, socially engineered computerization saying, well, authority is the driving force. Our social connection is the drive. We're going we're gonna to model all of society with our little algorithm here. There are limitations to that. Sorry, what were you going to say, Cindy? <laughs> that, we, that we can cultivate our own inner authority. And so then we can, we can you know, navigate our life in a way where we're not just believing uh, or submitting to anybody because they're the authority. And and what I mean by that is like, I've had plenty of doctors tell me a certain thing and 
I haven't done the thing they've said where other people are like, well, if your doctor said that, then you need yes. to do it, right? But I don't have that mindset that just because someone has alphabet soup after their name or has written a book on something that I have to give away my power to them um, mm-hmm. just because of that. Now, it may definitely mean that they know a whole lot more than me, and I may make the decision that I need to listen to this person. They're the expert. They're the authority, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't give away my own power just because someone is in some kind of position of authority. Like, they're the teacher. They're the doctor. They're the whatever they are. Um, I have to cultivate my own inner authority so I can listen to myself to make those kind of decisions. I don't know how that plays into the question yeah. at hand. But. <laughs> that's well, it puts a nice that's twist the, on it. <laughs> that's the key to my work too. It's just like I'm, I'm, my motto is be the leading lady of your own damn life. It's like you mm. get to be the director and the star and you, yes, of yep, course yep. you will call in, in people who are uh, adept or more studied or more expert in certain fields because none of us have the, um, as humans, it's very hard to be, you know, well studied on everything. So we get to pick, we have to pick and choose. And then we choose other people that are really good at whatever else we want to know about. But that idea that you are, you are always the number one authority on you. Nobody knows your lineage, your quirks, your your talents, your skills, your history, your trauma, your everything. Nobody knows it the way you do. And therefore, you are always the number one authority. And it's, uh, and when we forget that, that's when connections go sideways because we give power that is not actually, we give away our power to people who don't necessarily handle it well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then that, that gets to be, you know, something we have to untangle. So we are, are always the number one we are the, the what is it the kingpin the number one connection point and from there we can we can um network and the best thing to do is to stay at the most you you can possibly be because that way you will attract connections that match and that's that's what living's about that's beautiful i love that that's a great way to love summarize that. the conversation too because <laughs> yeah, really, really good. De- yeah. Jeffrey, I, I guess Jeffrey actually gets the last word. He says doctors are just practicing, which is true. They're in practice, right? <laughs> yeah, they get to practice on that to us, which is kind of scary. That's right, yes. <laughs> All the more reason to be deciding for yourself, do I really want to trust this advice? Hmm, I remember thinking that the first time I had my neck done by a chiropractor. It's like, so the first person who put their head in your hands and said, please don't break right. my neck. that's great well thank you ladies very much this has been very educational and very entertaining and uh i especially appreciate the educational part because i'm actually going to be using it some of the stuff i'm doing so thank you very much thank you podcast listeners everywhere thank you jeffrey also for the great input you gave us some good stuff to really carry on yes thank you jeffrey so appreciate that very much we'll see you all next time you're on elevate today (laughs) goodbye everybody Bye. Bye.